Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. A gorgeous 24-year-old beauty seemingly disappears into thin air. Where is Alexis? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to our friend, Leslie Brinkley, KGO, ABC7. It just felt like a regular day. She asked if she had mail at the post office. That was last Wednesday afternoon, January 26th. Gwyn Gabe said by the next morning, his younger sister, Alexis Gabe, had not come home to the apartment she shares with her parents. What is it that made you feel that this was serious? This was a scary situation for her to disappear. Because usually she uh, comes home um, because she has responsibilities. Uh, she drops my brother off at school. The family launched an intensive search around Brentwood and Oakley. That afternoon, they found her light blue infinity abandoned on a residential street, keys still in the car. As soon as my parents got there, uh, my dad was like, open the trunk. Um, so I unlocked the trunk and I opened it up and it was nothing there nothing there that that was well yeah that moment yeah yeah, harrowing for sure yeah that's what you don't want to have to look in a car trunk for your daughter for your sister that's exactly what you don't want and that is the point at which alexis's family has found themselves they go they find her car and look in the trunk for 24-year-old Alexis. How did they know she was missing? What led up to it? What is this area? So many questions in the search for Alexis Gabe. Again, I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. An all-star panel is with me to make sense of what we know right now. Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor, host of Today with Dr. Wendy, uh, joining us KCBQ San Diego. You can find her at wendypatrickphd.com. Renowned psychologist joining us out of Manhattan, Karen Stark. You can find her at karenstark.com. That's Karen with a C. Founder and director of the Cold Case Research Institute, Cheryl McCollum at coldcasecrimes.org. Amanda Quintana, ATVU Fox 2, joining us from the Bay Area. Special guest, longtime friend and colleague, Mark Class, joining us, who has devoted his life to finding missing people since the disappearance and death of his beautiful girl, Polly. And you can find him at classkids.org. Special guest joining us right now, Alexis' older brother, Gwen Gabe, and his girlfriend, Morgan Strenfell. To everyone, thank you. Gwen, first to you, when did you first realize Alexis had seemingly vanished? Uh, well, it was a Thursday morning when my little brother was texting me um, asking where she was because she was supposed to drop him off at school. How old is your little brother? He's, he just turned 15 a couple days ago. And she normally takes him to school, drives him to school? Yeah. Yeah, she does every morning, and she picks him up after school. You know what? What you're saying to me right now is very powerful. Gwen, Gwen Gabe is Alexis' brother because 
If I did not take my children and pick them up from school every single day, anybody that knows our family, professionally or personally, would know I had to either be in the hospital or worse, not to be there. Because that's just something you don't miss. You don't leave a child standing there, the last one everybody's gone, and they're just standing there. No, that is not going to happen. So she typically picked him up and dropped him off mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Mark Class, founder of Class Kids Foundation, and that's what is called routine evidence. And I don't mean routine evidence as in it's typical, it's run-of-the-mill evidence. I mean it's evidence of behavior of routine, not just behavior, because behavior can vary. Routine typically does not vary. And right there. When she was not there to take the little brother to school that morning, every, it just set off alarm bells. And that's very significant, Mark Class. Well, it is very significant because this is a, a woman who had her patterns, as you mentioned, and the pattern was broken. So absolutely, everybody went into, uh, went into a high alert at that point, and uh, they haven't let up. They've done a tremendous job of, of, uh, of looking for Alexis. I'm just thinking about what that clue right there means Cheryl McCollum because you know one of the first things you want to do is establish your timeline because that means so much to a case it's so critical who was with her at that time where had she been had she been at the grocery store did somebody follow her out you know you and I worked on a case where a woman um, didn't know it but she was followed from the farm from the grocery store to the pharmacy and when she got back in the car the three little children Remember her, Jackie, Miss Betty? Some perv rises up out of the back seat with a knife. Okay? Now, what I wanted to know was where had she been? How did she not see this guy? Who is this guy? That's what I'm asking right now. Where had Alexis been? Had she been at the grocery store? Had she been at the library? Had she been at work? I know one thing. She wasn't there to take her little brother to school like she did every single morning. Evidence of routine, Cheryl. A lot of timelines start with that. No question about it. She was reliable. She was dependable. She did this every morning that he had school, and he knew it. And he was smart enough to call his brother and say, look, something's not right because she's always here. You know, another thing about this to you, Karen Stark, a lot of people, and I think you can identify this with this as well, you might not go to your, doc- your own doctor appointment or your dentist appointment, or you might forget to take your pill or your this or your that that you're supposed to do. But it's a lot harder. It would be a lot harder for me to let down my children than it would be for me to, to ignore something for myself. I'm not verbalizing this very well, but I don't, I think she might ignore something that she was supposed to do for herself, but to not take her little brother to school and leave him high and dry, I don't see it. But I mean, she's, she's also, we know, she's extremely reliable and she understands that he's, they are depending on her. And when you have someone depending on you, if it's a little brother or your children, and that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. You can not take care of you, like you said, but you're certainly going to take care of the people that are depending on you that you love. Let's go out to our friend from KTVU, Fox 2, joining us out of the Bay Area, Amanda Quintana. Amanda, thank you for being with us. I really appreciate it. I want to hear about the area, Antioch, California. 
and the vehicle found Brentwood, California. Let's start with Antioch. What's the population? About 120,000? Yeah, so um, she is from Oakley. So that's mainly where the search has been in Oakley because that's where she lives with her family. But she was last seen in Antioch. Yeah, I want to talk about Antioch. Is it rural? Is it what is it? Yeah, it, it's it's a bigger city in that area, but it, it's surrounded by a very rural area. Um, it's east of San Francisco, so about an hour from San Francisco, um, but a, a pretty tight knit community over there. You know, the reason I ask uh, Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor, is because the area means a lot to me. For instance, if you're in Manhattan, for Pete's sake. Anybody. Right now, they've got a serial killer killing homeless people. He's already killed three that we know of. It, it's, it's like a, a needle in a haystack. It could be one of millions and millions of people. When you're in an area like Antioch, that's where she was last seen, and there's 100,000 people living there, similar to where I grew up, that really limits your number of persons of interest. Agree, disagree, Wendy Patrick. Agree, Nancy. And I'll tell you, one reason it does is you most likely know people in your town. I know 100,000 may sound like a lot of people, but I'm willing to bet they go to the same grocery store, library, fitness centers. And when someone goes missing, you're going to want to know where she last was. You're going to want to know who she last spoke to. And when you disregard a family obligation, you at the very least know that this is not normal and that you're going to want to start asking questions surrounding maybe even that obligation. So you're right. Small towns are more close-knit and provide richer leads to try to help authorities find the missing person. Cheryl McCollum, have you ever heard of the confluence? No. Okay. So we took the twins across the country in an RV. And one Mm -hmm. of the places we went to was the beautiful Arch in St. Louis, right? Right. And we went hiking and this was right after COVID had hit and everything was, that's why we went in an RV because we didn't want to be in hotels. We camped out the whole way. And it's where the mighty Mississippi and the muddy Missouri oh, okay. sure. converge. They join together, the confluence. This area is beautiful. Antioch, it, that's where the San Joaquin and the Sacramento rivers join. And then they head to the Pacific Ocean. Mm. And once you've seen something like that, never forget it. It's beautiful. And it's very, very, um, I don't want to say isolated, but there's a lot of rural area, a lot of forests, a lot of countryside in that area. And that really changes the complexion of the case. When you have somebody go missing in an area like Antioch. Again, I'm going to start with the vehicle because I'm going to work backwards from there because I know the ending. The ending is the car is here and she's not with it. So I'm going to look for any video that I can find and then I'm going to literally follow the cameras. So if I have her leaving this neighborhood on Trenton Street and then I can pick her up at a bank, if I can pick the car up at a 
convenience store or a church or a school, anybody else that has a camera, if they have the flock system there of cameras, I'm going to follow backwards until I see her get in that car, park that car. What is she doing? And I'm going to go backwards until I can intersect her and a potential killer. Well, you're absolutely right. The car is the latest piece of evidence we have. You know, this is Wendy. You know, one thing I would look at is her car was found on a residential street. It wasn't in a ditch. It wasn't in a lake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was on a residential street, which means Very that she important. was going somewhere. Where was she on the way to or the way from? So I agree. That's a huge piece of evidence. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. You know, you hear people that go missing and then years later their car is found like in a body of water or a river or something. And nobody knew it was there. It's not like her car went down a ravine. It's not like it's found in the water. She didn't crash into a fixed object like a tree or stop sign. Her car is sitting there. So why is she not in it? Was she apprehended? Did somebody put her car there? Did she even drive her car there? That would make me want the car to be processed on the inside and out, including the driver's side handle, the steering wheel, the dash, the um, seat belt, the console, the everything, the ignition. Remember in the Teresa Hallback case, Stephen Avery making a murderer? His DNA is found on the ignition in her car. Well, Nancy, everything matters. Jump in. The rearview mirror is a good place to do as well because people just inadvertently do that. It's almost like a habit. The side mirror, rearview mirror, the seat positioning. Right. Remember in Tara Grinstead, the Correct. seat in Tara's car had been moved back for a taller person to drive her car. She was very petite. So, what do I know? The keys are in the car, but the car was not running, which means whoever drove that car last had to shut the keys off. I like the way you said whoever drove the car. We don't know if she drove her car there. Guys, take a listen to our cut four. This is Rob Nesbitt, K-R-O-N-4. Alexis's family says it's not like her to go this long without at least texting or calling. Today was especially hard on them as they come to grips with what might have happened. A people person who made new friends wherever she went. It's very outgoing. Gwyn Gabe says Alexis Gabe wasn't just his sister, but also his best friend. The recent college graduate has been missing since Wednesday night. Gwyn's girlfriend, Morgan Strunfell, says there were several reasons to worry. As soon as her friends hadn't heard from her all night, essentially, uh, that was the first red flag. Um, the fact that she never came home second red flag um and then obviously finding her car keys in the ignition doors unlocked was huge you're hearing the voices of alexis's brother gwen gabe who is joining us and his girlfriend who is taking a very active role in the search for alexis morgan strenfeld morgan Thank you again to you and Gwen for being with us. Morgan, tell me when you first learned that Alexis seemingly just vanished. Um, well, the situation kind of started Thursday morning. I mean, you kind of, it's the middle of the week, so everyone is just going about their daily routine, as you said. And um, there had been some conversation back and forth between the two brothers, like that Alexis hadn't made it home to take him to school. And Gwen, her older brother, um, was in class himself. So he had called me and asked if I 
um, was headed home or would be home soon because he wanted to see if maybe Alexis was at our place where we live. Um, so I went and I went ahead and headed straight home and said that I, I would meet him there. When I got here to our place, um, there was no sign of her or anything like that. And I, I really didn't think of anything of it at that point. It was when um, Gwen met me here at the house and then we spoke with his parents maybe 20, 30 minutes after that. Um, this would have been at like 11 on Thursday morning. And uh, at this time, her parents were, were pretty worried and wanted us to go ahead and move forward with filing a missing persons report. Um, because at this point we had spoken with her friends and, and anyone that we could have thought she would have been with and nobody mm-hmm. had heard from her since the night previous. You know, Morgan, it must have just felt like a horrible dream because you hear about disappearances, you read about them. But I guess in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about when my son went missing inside a baby, Babies or Us superstore. When he went missing... All I could think of were other cases I'd read about where children his age, he was about three at that time, had gone missing from a mall or a store. And I, I thought, this this can, this can is not happening. This He's, he's got to be mm-hmm. here somewhere. Of course, I was screaming bloody murder. And for them to lock the doors and start screaming and running with my daughter, who was his twin, under my arm like a football Mark Class, I'm sure you've heard this story so many times. I hate to even tell it with you listening, but it it seemed it was real, but yeah. it seemed surreal. I guess. What did that feel like? I can remember like thinking back to that day, driving to the police station. We were going to meet her friends there so that um, we could have as much information for the police officer as possible. And I remember my mom called me when we were on our way there. And I, I remember telling her like, Alexis is missing, but it didn't saying that then didn't feel like it feels now. Um, obviously it's been close to two months now. And did it just not feel real at that time? Like you thought, okay, we're going to find her. This is some screw up somewhere. Yeah. I mean, obviously in the beginning you, are incredibly hopeful because you're like, okay, well, there's got to be some reasonable explanation. Like maybe she fell asleep somewhere and her phone died. Maybe she just hasn't been able to charge her phone. Like you go through all of the logical reasons and at a certain point you kind of have to face what's in front of you. And when we found her car, um, that, that narrative in your head shifts for sure. So what about that moment? Gwen gave, this is Alexis, brother and guys we use those just joining us let me give you the tip line right now 925-625-8060 repeat 925-625-8060 we are looking for alexis gabe 24 years old beautiful on the inside and the outside Gwen, her brother, joining us. Gwen, when you pulled up and you saw her car sitting there, what went through your mind? Um, uh, Just to look for any clues. um, Immediately, I looked through the windows, uh, see if any of her stuff was in there. Um, And I saw the keys that were in the car, and I I told everyone that the keys were in the car. And my cousin opened the door. 
um, so it was unlocked. Um, and then immediately we just started looking through the car and uh, I was, at that point, um, it still didn't feel real. Um, but looking back now, I I think I was just in shock. I didn't want to believe it. Um, it's it's definitely something you you wouldn't find yourself being in a situation like um, so it was definitely unreal for me. So out of the ordinary, you know, Mark Class uh, joining me is really a legend. He's a hero to crime victims all across our country. He's Mark Class, K L A A S. Mark, I don't think I ever told you this. Uh, my husband travels a lot for his business all over. And he texts me whenever he takes off, texts me when he lands. And then we try to talk on the phone, but I'm so busy, you know, trying to work and take care of the children. A lot of time I don't pick the phone up when he calls. And that's just SOP. It doesn't vary. And there was a time, Mark Class, he texted when he landed. I think it was in Miami. That's a heck of a place. I mean, there's a lot of crime there. Then I, I, I suddenly realized about 11 o'clock that night, I never heard from him again since like 3 o'clock that afternoon. And that is totally out of character. Well, let me tell you, Mark Class, about 4 a.m., I finally find him at a hotel I think he's in his room asleep. He damn well better be in there alone, number one. But I was more worried about him having a heart attack. That's how, how odd it is that he didn't text. I finally, somehow, long distance, bullied and begged and pleaded and cried and carried on and got the night clerk to go knock on his door with his cell phone on and check. And David was just completely passed out of sleep. I mean, he had gotten up the morning before at 3 a.m. to catch a early flight, blah, blah, blah. Can I tell you how many hospitals I called, how many this, how many that? I mean, just trying to make sure because, like you're hearing Gwen say, you see the car, it's totally out of the ordinary. It's something that doesn't happen. That feeling and I just got to ask you, I can't believe there's a question I haven't asked you about Polly's disappearance. When you were first confronted with the fact that your girl Polly was missing, did it even seem real to you? Did you think, oh, this is some script, this is some misunderstanding? Well, no, Nancy, it didn't. Actually, I was asleep when we got the phone call, uh, the midnight phone call that nobody wants to receive. And uh, it, it was somebody telling me that Polly had been kidnapped. I did a couple of things immediately. Um, and it didn't feel real. I mean, I wasn't particularly freaking out yet at that point, but the very first thing I did was call the Petaluma police department just to confirm that my daughter had been reported missing. And once they were able to verify who I was, they told me that she, she was missing. The second thing I did is contacted the FBI and basically begged them for their help. Um, then we did not obviously did not go back to sleep and it was only the next morning at about six o'clock when the local, uh, news station 
uh, the local radio station, news radio station, announced that Pauli Class had been kidnapped, that it hit me like a ton of bricks. It completely freaked me out. And uh, we quickly gathered our some of our belongings and drove up to Petaluma, which was about a 30-mile trip, and uh, didn't return for over two months while we were looking for Pauli. Now, I have to say that her case is so very different from this case and many of the cases because she's an adult. And, you know, there's an old trope in law enforcement that if they're if they're an adult, they're doing what they want to do and they shouldn't be interfered with or that you have to wait 24 hours to make a missing person report with law enforcement. And fortunately, in this case, because of the wonderful advocacy of Morgan and Gwen, uh, people took this very seriously from the very beginning. And uh, her case did not have a really cold period. It was a hot case from moment one. People were aware of it and uh, people were concerned about it and people were taking action about it. And I think that's kind of a wonderful thing for both the family and their advocacy in law enforcement. Well, you're right, Mark Class. Uh, Brother Gwen and his girlfriend Morgan on this hit the ground running, just like you did when Polly went missing. Take a listen to our cut eight. This is Amanda Quintana, our friend from KTVU. Alexis Gabe didn't come home on January 26th. Her family found her car abandoned on a seemingly random street in Oakley the next day with the keys in the ignition. But there hasn't really been any new information since then. So next week, members of the Class Kids Foundation will be arriving. It's a nonprofit that will help organize and train volunteers to search for Alexis. Emotions are definitely coming out a lot more. Um, my parents are still not doing so well. We're about to enter week four in the disappearance of Alexis Gabe. That realization is especially hard on her brother, Gwen, and his girlfriend, Morgan. The two have been leading efforts to find her. And we're just looking for answers, just waiting. Um, it's getting harder. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. To Amanda Quintana joining us, KTVU Fox 2, joining us out of the Bay Area again. Thank you so much, Amanda, for being with us. A random street. What does that mean? Was it at the end of a cul-de-sac? Is it uh, parked on the side of the street as if she was going into that house? Describe where the car was. Talking to the family, she had no connection to that street. She didn't know anyone that lived there. She didn't have any friends really in that area. But it is a dead end street um, and kind of kind of a, a cul-de-sac next to it, but a, a dead end street that she had no connection to. Wow. A dead end street. Let me ask you this, Gwen Gabe. This is Alex's brother. Was it parked at the end of the street? No, it was parked on the on the side. Um, not even near the cul-de-sac, but like near the entrance of the of the street. The search is on for Alexis Gabe. Take a listen to our cut 11, Philippe Dijal at KRON4. 
Some 50 volunteers joined the first two ground searches for 24-year-old Alexis Gabe, an effort organized by the Class Kids Foundation. The teams are spread out across eastern Contra Costa County, checking remote areas off the beaten path for the Oakley residents. We are coordinating with the police department in terms of areas that they um, have wanted us to focus on. The Oakley Police Department is leading the investigation into Alexis's disappearance. Her older brother Gwyn and his girlfriend Morgan Strenfell stationed at the Contra Costa County Fairgrounds in Antioch, the staging area for the search. I'm holding in a lot of anger and frustration um, and every day getting a little more angry and more frustrated. But grateful for the attention and support his family has received from the community. I'm trying to figure out her movements leading up to her disappearance to Morgan Strenfield, who is helping Alexis' brother Gwen lead the search. Where was she the night before she goes missing? Um, as far as we know, we spoke with her um, and by we, I mean her brother and I spoke with her at around 4, 4.30 on Wednesday. Um, and then we know that she dropped her little brother Austin off at the apartments that she shares with her parents. That was around um, the same time, around like 4.35. Uh, and then she also spoke with her best friend around 6.30. Um, at that time, she was still at her apartment. Um, she was just in her car in the parking lot. And uh, then after that, as far as we knew, she said that she was coming to see uh, Gwen. Uh, she told multiple people that, but um, it, it looks like she went to uh, her ex-boyfriend's house, and that is the house in Antioch. To Amanda Quintana joining us, KTVU Fox 2. So we know she's alive and well at 6.30 p.m., the night before she goes missing. That would have been Jan 26, correct? Yes. Okay. And were there any phone calls or texts after 6.30 p.m.? No, from what I understand, talking to, texting with her friends was was the last people that heard from her. And that was at 6.30? Yes. Do we know, Amanda Quintana, if her phone was pinged after that? Has her cell phone been found? Police have not released any information on that, but from what I understand, once she was missing and her family was looking for her, her phone was off. So they would call straight to voicemail. Cheryl McCollum, forensics expert, joining us. Cheryl, what about that? This is not like her to have her phone off. No, it's not like her at all. Um, I'm going to want any data they could you know, be gotten from her vehicle if there's a computer in her car. And I also want to know about her cell phone and when those two things separated. When did the phone stop and when did the car stop? Because I don't think it's going to be at the same time. I think the phone was done first and then the car was abandoned. You know what else I want? I want every ring doorbell. They told me it was a residential area. You don't think mm -hmm. everybody doesn't have a ring or something like a ring doorbell? Right. Remember how that cracked the Molly Tibbetts case? Absolutely. A uh, uh, wonderful young co-ed goes jogging. Ultimately, uh, I believe it was a ring doorbell cam, sees her going by. But then they also see a car going by, coming back, going mm -hmm. by, coming back. 
and that car had unusual markings i think like scrapes on it that's how that car was found and the person driving the car number one suspect in her murder okay so there you go one more thing i want nancy is anybody with a lift or an uber pickup in that vicinity so what i want to know is about the door ring doorbells i want to find out about home security surveillance um another thing to that area out to you gwen gave this is alexis's brother we've been covering a case the alex murdoch case who says he was shot on a rural road where there is no cameras and my question was when you turn onto that road what's at the intersection turns out there's a baptist church there with a camera were there any businesses anywhere near that subdivision that could catch people coming in and out, Gwen? Do you know? Um, from my understanding, sort of. Um, one side of the street, there aren't any cameras um, coming into there. And then the other side, um, there are. To me, that means yes, Gwen. Sort of. Yeah. That's a yes. I don't care where the camera is. If there's a camera, I want to see it. So... If she drove the car, what evidence would be looking for? If she did not drive the car, that means she's somewhere else. Was there a carjack? What do we know? To you, Amanda Quintana, did she make it to the boyfriend's house? We believe so from, from, you know, in talking to the family and what little information police have put out. We believe that she did go to the boyfriend's house. Okay. Mark Class, Founder Class Kids Foundation. What do we need to do now? Well, we have to understand that law enforcement is keeping this investigation very, very close, and they are not releasing a lot of information, as as we're finding out here. And what has to happen now is they have to be left to do this investigation, and we have to continue with the searches on a weekly basis, hopefully on a weekly basis, so that we can work together together. To, to bring this to a conclusion. As, as was mentioned about Antioch and Oakley, it's, it's a, a, a suburban area, but it's, it's a remote suburban area. Um, and it's a lot of open land. It's a beautiful, beautiful terrain, but a lot of it's open. So, you know, the opportunities to do something with a, a missing body, and I, I'm hoping that's not what we're looking for, uh, are, are many and varied. So, you know, we've all got our work cut out for us to assign good searches and uh, to get our wonderful volunteers, and there have been hundreds of them, and we hope they'll keep coming back to uh to to search for this girl until this case is concluded and hopefully that will be sooner rather than later we know for a fact she did make it to the boyfriend's house i know that for a fact and this is how i know it take a listen to our cut six our friends at kron4 tuesday afternoon antioch police removed several large bags from this home on ben tree way as part of a search warrant execution the home is believed to belong to the ex-boyfriend of 24 year old alexis gabe it was also the last place she was reportedly seen a statement was made by her ex-boyfriend that she was at his house until 9 p.m on wednesday night um And after that, she did not return home. Um, Yes, the police have questioned him uh, more than once and have taken his statement. Um, We are not in contact with him, uh, so we don't know 
any other information regarding the ex-boyfriend. Among some of the items removed by investigators from that home on Tuesday was a vacuum cleaner. Investigators hope the items can provide answers on where they can find Gabe, who was last seen on Wednesday. The very next day, her car found abandoned with the key still inside of the ignition. Amanda Quintana, KTVU, how far from the boyfriend's place was Alexis car found? Um, not far, but like I mentioned earlier, his place is in Antioch and her car was found in Oakley. So different cities and again, you know, a, a random street. So it, it, her car was not near that apartment. It's about five miles. Five miles. Is that Morgan? Yes. Five miles. It may be in a different town, but it's five miles as the crow flies. That's not very far. Uh, Mark Class, have you ever gone into a place and you can see on the carpet where they just vacuumed? You see the strips going back and forth? Sure. Don't you love that when you go to a crime scene? It makes you wonder why they vacuumed. <laughs> um, it does make you wonder why they vacuumed. I, I believe that law enforcement is probably on to something here. Like I say, they're keeping this very, very close. And uh, the vacuum cleaner and other items taken out of the house may prove very fruitful. I mean, we have a situation where this guy claims that she left at 9 o'clock. And as Cheryl mentioned about the vehicle and about the phone, where do they diverge? When did her phone go off? Um, time that against the 9 o'clock moment that he said she left. I think... I think um, interesting things will be found out. You know, Karen started joining me, New York psychologist, uh, joining us from Manhattan. I always refer back to Mark Class, who happens to be with us today. When somebody goes missing, I expect the family, the loved ones, to do what he did. Here, I just opened my door, cop. Come on in. Look wherever you want to. Uh can you take my DNA? Please take my fingerprints, my saliva. Uh, here's my cell phone. Here's my laptop. Here, here's my iPad. Here, whatever you want. My car, here are the keys. Here's the key to my office. Just could you please hurry so you can get past me and find who took Alexis? That's what I would expect. Would you, Karen Stark? Well, yeah, of course you would, Nancy, but you'd also be suspicious. If somebody didn't do that, because why not? Why wouldn't you want to be like Mark, who said, look, get me out of the way. It's the first thing he did. first thing he did. Exactly. When we all know that story, I mean, Mark was incredible. It's heartbreaking. But here, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Cheryl McCollum, did you hear that the search was pursuant to search warrant? I did. And I also, it, it dawned on me that that was a very Nancy Grace move, taking the entire vacuum cleaner. Oh, you darn just right. The bag. And the mop. Oh, absolutely. And the bucket. Take the whole thing. And the dust rag. And whether they're looking for hair or broken glass, there's something significant. They know. They know they needed the whole machine. Here's the problem, Cheryl. She would rightfully have been there. So if you find her hair, her fiber, her DNA, it can be argued, well, of course it's here because she's here all the time because this is her boyfriend. Was this her, uh, Amanda Quintana, her boyfriend or her ex-boyfriend? From what the family has told me, ex-boyfriend. Hmm. Hey, Nancy, I got to jump in. Jump. I, at this point, again, her hair might belong there, but inside a brand new vacuum cleaner bag. 
and he's going to vacuum after she leaves. Again, that's just, it may be circumstantial, but it's pretty good. And especially if that, if it is hair or something like that, if it's with bloody glass or something else, that's going to be significant. I think at this point, we need canines, we need drones, because I read that he has not participated in the searches. So here you have Mark Class telling you, I begged the FBI for help. And here this person that dated her for three years has not even helped look for her. I wonder, uh, Wendy Patrick, if that was an ex-boyfriend, why was she going over there anyway? Was she lured there? Did she have to go pick something up? Uh, were they getting back together? I mean, I'm just curious, Wendy Patrick, I'm also curious about that car. If the apartment had just been vacuumed, had the car been wiped down? It's not just what oh, you find, yeah. but what you can't find that matters. It's true. And what you can't find is going to be what happens at night. And so if she supposedly left at 9 p.m., you may have less ring camera video to work with. It may be grainier. There may be less people that were around to have seen anything suspicious. And, you know, it's ironic. We've been talking about this gorgeous landscape in this area. That just provides more opportunity to hide a body, which is why mm-hmm. Mark Class and others are just such a hero going forward in these volunteers that have been searching. But you're right. There was less to work with if she left at 9 o'clock. That, my prediction, is going to become an important piece of evidence. I mean, for all we know, and I have seen a case like this where a nurse got off duty late at night and she was spotted at a red light by a couple of guys that didn't even know her, never seen her, and they kidnapped her. There's not anyone connected to her. To Gwen Gabe, what is your message to your sister right now? That my family misses her. Uh, I think about her. Every night, every morning, we're going to find her and just to stay strong. Morgan Strenfield, what is your message today? Um, I guess just a a big thank you to all of the continued support from everyone uh, and keeping her story and her face out there. Um, It helps us keep traction and pressure on the case itself because we still don't have any answers. Our prayers are with her mother, Rowena, Gwen, her brother, Morgan, helping to search desperately, her little brother, and all the searchers that are looking for Alexis. Please go to Facebook to help bring Alexis Gabe home. The tip line is 925-625-8060. Please help Alexis family bring her home. Nancy Grace Crime Story signing off. Goodbye, friend.